Hope you feel that way afterwards. Uh, in your Bibles, you may want to turn to the book of Jonah. As we get there, I just want to uh, uh, ask for your prayers for the work that I'm involved in with Word of Messiah Ministries. Uh, the work that we do is a global work, uh, reaching out with the good news. Uh, as the apostle to the Gentiles taught, to the Jew first, uh, but he also said and equally to the Gentiles. To the Jew first, and God loves us all, and he loves us all the same. And some of us, it's hard to get our heads around that. Certainly Jonah was someone who found that a hard pill to swallow. But nonetheless, the work that we do is we bring the good news to where it's needed. Uh, and you may wonder, well, you must get invited to all those places. No, no, you'd find that that's not the case. We go to where it's needed, not where it is wanted. Uh, but the grace of God is our sufficiency. Uh, he has a remnant in every community, uh, and we are desirous to see uh, the remnant of Israel come to faith, as well as all the Gentiles God can handle. Uh, God loves everybody, and all of us get to rejoice together in him. Uh, some of you who may not get our newsletter, if you don't, uh, they're on the back table, some samples there. Uh, but also, if you wish to get it on a monthly basis, I'm glad to send it to you. Uh, there's envelopes. I'm not sure if they were handed out or anything of that sort, right? Uh, I, I, Trevor was going to see to that. Was, no? Hey, who, ha who has one of these envelopes? Hold it up. We're going to be separating the sheep from the goats right now. Okay. <laughs> Uh, the sheep need them right now. <laughs> but if you have it, just fill it out. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. We'll get, we'll get them to you. We uh, will find a few thousand of them lying around somewhere, I suppose. Uh, but nonetheless, we'll get it to you. Fill it out and maybe just place it on the table there or, or somewhere like over there. Uh, we have a literature table in the back. Uh, Lynn will be there uh, to assist you at the table and maybe get a plate there. Whatever's good for people, whatever works. Uh, so we can send you our newsletter, you can learn more about the roots of our faith. We want to grow together uh, on these matters, but also seeing what God is doing amongst Jewish people, both here and around the world. I've been a believer for more than a little while now, and I have to say uh, there are things taking place in the day we live in that have not been seen for a very long time. There are more Jewish people who have come to personal faith in Jesus. More Jewish people have come to personal faith in Jesus. More Jewish people have come to personal faith in Jesus since the first century. There's nothing been like this before. There's never been a time in history since the first century that this many Jewish people have come to faith. It's an amazing thing. Uh, as you know, I go over to Israel rather regularly. Uh, great God has opened great doors. I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to serve him there. Uh, you say, well, how about if I go over? Should I mention your name? Only if you want to go to jail. So don't do that. Uh, I'm not as popular in some quarters as you might think. But uh, pray for us because God is doing a work there. It's just wonderful. I go over there regularly and we see Israelis coming to faith all the time. Uh, in every city now, we have congregations planted. Uh, it's exciting. This past trip, I was over there. We had 25 planters in central Israel we were working with. 
Uh, and then up in the north, another t- in the Galilee, another 22 planters. Uh, and the Lord was opening up doors we couldn't have imagined back 40 years ago. Uh, just couldn't imagine what the Lord would be doing. But God is doing a great work. And I'm so thankful that he allows me to be just part of it, just like you. There's one body of Christ. We're one family in the Lord. And therefore, there's one burden on the heart of God for for lost humanity, to the Jew first, not to the Jew only. Uh, So we want to understand his great burden that we share. Uh, And let me just mention, God is at work. Where God's at work is where I want to be at work. I want to make my punches count. Where God's at work is where we all should be at work, at least in prayer if we can't get there. We all have to be where God's at work. And so therefore, we're going to be calling people uh, to the task of the Great Commission, a work of God that is going on, and we're seeing God's grace and blessed miracles everywhere we turn. We're going back. There's so much more that has to get done. I'm getting old. Uh, I got to pass the baton on. But we're going to need some, some people to be stepping up, and they are you. They are you. Uh, You say, well, I'm not Jewish. Perfect. (laughs) The whole purpose is for his grace to be shown as sufficient. Take it from me. Being Jewish hasn't gotten me anywhere. No, God is not, not he's not into preferential treatment that way. You say, well, aren't you one of his favorites? Well, of course I am. So are you if you've accepted the favor of God. You're his favorite. That's how that works. And so the same grace is what makes anybody sufficient. If you remember that. So pray for us. Fill out that envelope. Put it on the back table. Be delighted to know you're praying for us. Send you the newsletter. Learn more of what God is doing here and around the world. Great and mighty things. Uh, We have conferences. We're doing planting conferences all over the world. Uh, getting church planters. I want fire-breathing, Jesus-loving, you know, love-overflowing planters, take no prisoners, moving ahead, foreheads like flint kind of people, ornery guys that you can't get along with. I love those ones. And, and we're, getting them, we're getting them pushed out, uh, out. They may not step out of the boat. We'll push them out. Uh, pray for us. Conferences going on. Uh, all over now, uh, one down in Texas, another in Phoenix, uh, up in Canada, one in New York, I can't remember them all. If you go on our on site, wordofmessiah.org, you can check it all out, uh, but pray for us, the work that's going on, new books coming out, uh, pray for my dear wife Miriam, uh, haven't seen her since yesterday afternoon, pray, I'm sure she's very lonely, pray for her. Uh, but I can't wait. I'll see her in a few hours. It's all good. Uh, but she's working on her fourth book, uh, and her materials are on the table there. And so fill out the envelope. Glad to send you the newsletter. Uh, we are a faith mission. Uh, we are thankful that the Lord's grace is our sufficiency. Pray for us. She said, well, what if I gave a gift to your work? Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, The work we do is we plan churches. We believe in the ministry of the local congregation. We believe that the local congregation is God's way of reaching a community. 
And therefore, we believe in the ministry of the local congregation. Support your local congregation. Uh, and be strong in your community. Be committed in your community. Uh, and, and please don't ever take what should be going to your home church away from uh, its proper giving. Uh, as much as I would be thankful, the fact of the matter is you'd break my heart if anything was done to hurt a local assembly. So support your local church. I'm very thankful for this church. They stand with us in prayer and support. Uh, I'm very thankful for that. Uh, but don't ever give anything which should be properly given to your home congregation elsewhere. Uh, God has a way. You say, well, he abundantly blessed me beyond all, all uh, I could, uh, eternal weight of glory in money I just received. Talk to your elders. Let them guide you with such blessings. You'll probably just go crazy with so much. On the back table are some free literature, as I mentioned, some tracts and other information to share with friends and family. Uh, there's also uh, uh, my books on uh, the festivals of Israel. You say, I don't like to read books. We have a DVD series just for you. You're without excuse. Uh, also, uh, my wife's uh, book, Honoring God, which is used in women's ministries all over the world, her other books as well. She's doing a lot of women's conferences, praise God. Uh, but her, it's now on audio tape as well, and so it's a special for the month. It'll be back there if you're interested in that. Uh, and what I'll be speaking from this morning uh, for the next few minutes uh, comes from my book, my commentary on Jonah. On Jonah. And uh, so let's get right down to it. Appreciate your prayers. Uh, we really want your prayers for us as we can as we work together in the things of God to the glory of his name. Uh, that being said, uh, when we consider the book of Jonah, uh, we want to take a look at a few verses. I'm uh, going to uh, have them on the screen for you, be a little bit of an eye exam. If that's a bit much for you, I can understand. You have your Bible, you can check it out there. It's, uh, it's probably the very same kind of thing going on. Um, I'm going to read three verses, going to ask God to help us understand it and apply it. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, let me just mention there, uh, Jonah, uh, Jonah means dove, and there's always a, a symbol in the Bible of loyalty. If you remember the ark, the dove is what came back. It's coming back, that's important, you know. Uh, son of Amittai, uh, son of truth, son of truth. Uh, we all had names that meant something. Uh, verse 2. Okay. Verse 2. In the name of the Lord, verse 2. Okay. Didn't want to pull that one out. I have a... Uh, that's four. Let's go to two. Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. And verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish. That's in Spain. Nineveh is east. Tarshish is due west. Uh, flee from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Jaffa, Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
The Lord hurled a great wind on the sea. There was a great storm on the sea, so the ship was about to break up. Then the sailors became afraid. These are people who live on the sea. When they become afraid, everyone should be shaking in their boots. When you go through turbulence on a plane, I look at the flight attendants. If they're good to go, I'm okay. When they start getting a little, you know, the hair on fire kind of thing, I start praying out loud, you know what I mean? Uh, became afraid, and every man cried to his God, and they threw the cargo which was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. The very purpose of the trip was the cargo. Higher priorities were now coming in the fore, you know? Uh, all of a sudden, bigger things to fry, bigger fish to fry here. Uh, but Jonah had gone below into the hold of the ship, laying down and fallen asleep. Depression will do that. So the captain approached him and said, how is it that you're sleeping? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps your God, you know, this is the tipping point. Get enough gods going for you, you'll probably be okay. Perhaps your God will be concerned about us so that we will not perish. You think God's concerned about people who perish? Of course he is. Each man said to his mate, come, let us cast lots so we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. So they cast lots, and what do you know? The lots fell on Jonah. God can use great storms, and he can use small details, can't he? He's in charge of the whole dealie. Then they said to him, tell us now on whose account has this calamity struck us? What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? From what people are you? And he said, I'm a Hebrew. I would have thought they could tell from the good looks, but no. <laughs> I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven. Really? who made the sea and the dry land. You're on the sea. You, he made the sea and the dry land. And you're running away. Doesn't work for you, does it? Then the men became extremely frightened and said to him, what could you, how could you do this? For the men knew he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. What, are you crazy? You came on board our ship. You never know who gets impacted by your disobedience. You just never know. Unintended consequences. So they said to him, what should we do to you that the sea may become calm for us? For the sea is becoming increasingly stormy. He said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. However, the men rode desperately to return to land, but they could not, for the sea was coming even stormier against. They figured, if I kill the dude, he's mad as all get out. God is angry just to get this guy on the same page. We kill him, he'll never fulfill his calling. What will that God do for, to us all? Get, get him to land and get rid of him. But they called on the Lord and they 
We earnestly pray, O Lord, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not put innocent blood on us, for you, O Lord, have done as you have pleased. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea stopped its raging. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, we are so very thankful uh, because of your great love for us. It's hard. It's just so hard for us to understand your love. Uh, oftentimes, uh, we don't walk according to your will, and rather than in any way uh, despise us, you do everything, everything to bring us back to yourself. Uh, hard to understand your love. But nonetheless, we are recipients of it. You asked us, uh, like Jonah the prophet, you will have the body of Messiah to be your prophet people. For we even know that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so you've called us to be a prophet to this world, to speak the truth in love and make it the truth that people need to hear. And so we ask that even now you might speak to us, even as we consider the issues of this prophet, and that we might see uh, in who he is a little bit of ourselves, but even more importantly, Lord, be able to see in light of who you are, your great love and your great goodness uh, for us, uh, for your name to be glorified in all ways, that the name of our God would be lifted up. Add your blessing. We ask this, for we ask it in our Messiah's name and for his glory. Amen and amen. Uh, we find ourselves unusually here uh, with a situation with Jonah, uh, a prophet. Uh, prophets are mere mortals. Uh, your pastor, who you think walks on water, he does, but he doesn't like to show off. He's a humble kind of guy. Uh, is an ordinary dude, needs your prayers as much as you want his prayers. Uh, when the enemy attacks, uh, he always attacks leadership. Uh, he attacks prophets. He attacks pastors. Uh, Zechariah 13, 7, smite the shepherd and the flock will be scattered. You want to attack a family, you make sure that the, the dudes in the family are not uh, following you, uh, undermine their confidence, discourage those guys from stepping up. The family is easy pickings. And so the enemy goes after such people, and prophets as well, ordinary people, ordinary stuff going on, and they have their bad days, as with Jonah. In 2 Kings 14.25, we see he had a ministry in, in the, the northern nation there of Israel. He came from Galilee. Uh, uh, he was raised there, just like the Lord Jesus was raised there. Uh, he had a message to bring. Uh, he chose not to. Jesus lived for such a purpose. He was the incarnate word of God. As we take a look at the portion, looking now at verse 1, I want us uh, to notice uh, what it says here. You say, well, what do you mean? If you want to understand why Jonah had to go through calamities, what brought him to a place that God would have to do things to bring a prophet, to bring someone who claims his name. I don't know uh, who you are. You may not know me very well either. Uh, but you may actually tell people that you are a Christian. Maybe it's just to get somebody off your back. 
Maybe it's just some way, you know, uh, to get over. And, but nonetheless, uh, be that as it may, God takes you up on such a matter. And therefore, we want to understand that God's word, it says here, came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. It came to Jonah. God's word directs us. Uh, the revelation of God's word, its purpose is to direct a lamp unto our feet, a light to lighten our path, but only if we follow it. God's word is intended, uh, the very fact that he gave us revelation, what a miracle and a blessing. I mean, can you imagine if he decided, no, I'm not into words. I like pictures, abstract art. I'm going to inspire abstract. We'd all be here. For, is that a cloud? No, I think it's my no family. No, no, I think it's your. I can't tell. But God put revelation into words. Words are inspired. We have the lyrics, but we don't have the music to David's songs. Uh, so his words are inspired so we can understand and comprehend the very will, the very person and purpose of God. And therefore, he gave us scripture. Uh, and when it says the word of the Lord that came to Jonah, that's exactly what it does. It was purposed to be something for our lives. It brings personal direction. It directs us personally in the Lord. God has a word for you. The scriptures are the will of God. The word of God is the will. You want to know, how many people want to know God's will for their life? Raise your hand. I'm Jewish. I can tell you these things. Oh, just keep your hands raised for a minute. Some of you didn't want to raise your hand, so I'm just going to let you leave right now. Okay. 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 Here you go. Here you go. God's will for your life is only found in the Word of God. He has no will for your life apart from His Word. Now, it may, its applications may be hard to always pull together. That's why God has given elders into the community to pray with you about these things. Not everything is as clear as you might like it to be. But nonetheless, God's Word is His will. God does what He said. God follows through on his word. He doesn't have anything else to do but what he already put in his word. That's why he's faithful. He keeps his word. We are faithful when we do that. And so God's will is his word. God's word to you is his will for you. God's word to Jonah was God's word for Jonah. Jonah had a problem. It was with the word of God. It was really with God. You say, well, what do you mean? He didn't like what God hadn't... He you know, God wanted him to love people he couldn't stand. Uh, you know, it's like, really? Yes. God called him to a task he did not want. It wasn't in his comfort zone. It wasn't in his skill set. It wouldn't make him feel good about himself wouldn't earn any merit badges with the people who validate him. No, uh, it would be contrary to everything he would want in life. It would be ripping the rug right out from under him. 
Uh, but there, but what do you mean? But that was the issue. See, God has a word for you. Now, if you are following God with all your heart and you're troubled and you're all broken up, God's word is going to be comforting. God loves you. He knows the struggles you're going through. He knows the sacrifices you're making. He knows what it is to raise a family. He knows what it is to be concerned about health issues and finances. He understands all of these matters. And when the word of God comes to you, it's to affirm, to care, to comfort, to encourage, to bless, to build you up, to, in, to let you know that you are not, you are not what people are saying about you. You are not what your parents said about you. You are not what your kids say about you. You are not even what you are thinking about yourself now. I'm a loser. It doesn't work. What have I done wrong? Why can't I get a guy? Why can't I get a girl? What's going on? I can't keep a job. You are not even how you feel about yourself, but you are who God says you are. You are who God's, he is the only one who's objective about you. And so when he calls you a sinner, even if no one else knows about it, you are. They wouldn't have let him on the boat if they knew what was coming up. If they had done a little background check, you know, okay, uh, we have a little questions for you. Yeah. Are you a Hebrew prophet? Yeah. Are you running from God? Yeah. You can't come on the boat. I would only hope some men and women would ask more questions before they get married. Because the word of God's coming, but the question's going to be, how are they going to respond to it? You see, the word of God has to be seen as God's word, not me. He reduced it down. The word of God came to direct him, but what happened? He reduced it down to kind of something he could ignore or reject. And maybe you're sitting here right now and you're in the very same situation. You have your agenda for your life. Your day, your life, your week is planned out. You've got goals and your goal is mostly lay back and open another bud, you know, let it roll. Whatever your plans may be, you therefore are thinking in terms of your plans. And you're now listening for God's word in light of your agenda in light of who you are and where you think you are going. God is not here to get on your page. You have to get on his page. God has the perfect plan for your life, and it's almost always contrary to all your personal preferences and comforts and conveniences. You say, oh, no, I am an American. Uh, you know, uh, you don't have a TV for me to watch. I'm going to get in touch with the house investigation of un-American activities. <laughs> That's un-American, no TV. What are you talking about? <laughs> and so, no, God doesn't care about such, such matters, though your whole life may depend on, on the fall season, your host you know, on that. Understand that, no, your life will not be fulfilled with that. You may be distracted by that, but you won't be fulfilled by that. And God actually loves you and cares about you. And God wants the very best for you. And so you say, but I have liberty in the Lord. Well, I know that. But your liberty in the Lord is the liberty in Christ that I share and that you have as well. Is not to fulfill your comforts or your conveniences. 
or to justify your personal preferences. The liberty we have in the Lord is to fulfill our calling. The calling we have in the Lord, therefore the liberty gives us a little flex room, culturally speaking, so we can be all things to all men and bring the good news. Not to justify our comforts, our conveniences. Uh, no, has nothing, that, that's another word for sin. That has nothing to do with liberty in Messiah. Don't make grace into a disgrace. And therefore God has a plan. And the word of the Lord came to him. But he reduced it down to something that could be ignored. It didn't fit into his agenda. It's not supposed to. It's supposed to rip apart your agenda. It's supposed to tear it limb from limb. Someone said, what do you, what do you live for? I said, I live to, to tear the heart out of this world and to replace it with the heart of God. With a living heart, the heart of flesh, the stony heart has to be removed. That's what we're living for. That's all God cares about. The only work he's involved in is a work of redemption. Everything else is in light of that fact. He cares about a lost humanity. Pagans on a ship. He cares about every one of them. And the Hebrew prophet, man on the sea, they can't go. I would have loved it. They can't leave. I got these sailors how long will it take? Oh, it's going to take a long time. Great. Uh, my 14th point on my sermon. And so that would have been good for me. A Hebrew prophet. Waste the opportunity. What in the world's going on? Understand the issues. The word of God comes to you. His opportunities are found in obedience. His opportunities are not the things you may see. As we read on, let's understand the issue of the word of God, and it came to him uh, that God has called us to assist him in this, to assist him, partner with him in this work of redemption, uh, to care about the people the way he cares about them, and the people that we may not like or care about. And so, as we look at what God is doing here, we see that uh, it says there in verse two. Not only does it come to him, the word says, "Get out of your lethargy." <laughs> Get up and get going. Verse 2, rise and go. All authority, Jesus said, has been given unto me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go. Get out of your comfort zone. Get out of the world of convenience. Pray for God's will so you'll look back on your life as difficult, as troublesome, as sweating blood kind of life and say, I gave it my all, Lord. I made my punches count. I sweated blood to raise children in the faith. I sacrificed whatever to, in order to be a faithful man of God. But I gave it my all. That is what your life will be when you live for the Lord. You say, but who will appreciate me? God will. The only thing your heart will care about is hearing, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the validation you live for and look for as a child of God. 
Everything else is going to seem like moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's not going to help you at all getting someone to appreciate you, getting someone to give you a compliment or whatever. No, it's a distraction from the very will of God. And so what happened with Jonah is seen in how he responded to the word of God. The word of God came to him. It was his response that would make all the difference. Go. Where am I going to go? Go to Nineveh. Go make disciples of all nations. You say, but hold a second. I got some stuff I got to work on. My widescreen TV is not as wide as I need it. There's a few rooms, no TV. There's some issues in my life that are lacking. I got to get that stuff met, you see? It's not about you. It includes you, but it's not about you. In other words, when you come to faith in the Lord, if you have, if you have, you say, well, I prayed a prayer. Mazel tov. Congratulations. You prayed, was that the last one? I prayed a prayer and I trusted in Jesus. Good for you. You can't be saved by prayer. What? No, you ain't got a prayer if you think you're saved by a prayer. You're saved by Jesus. Prayer merely means that you're focusing your faith on Jesus. A prayer cannot save you. Uh, no, it's trusting in Jesus, depending on Jesus. Uh, and therefore, when you do that, there's a change that goes on in your life a responsiveness to God, not a resistance to God. If you're resisting God, be careful. You may actually have your whole life based upon some prayer you prayed. You know, one woman on the plane yesterday, uh, was flying up here, sitting next to me, everyone who sits next to me on airplanes are ordained by God to hear the good news. Even if I have to wake them up. And, and, and this person, I said, uh, she said that she was a Christian. I said, when did you become a Christian? She said, well, I was, I was born a Christian. I was raised in a Christian home. And I said to this poor, poor person, I said, being born in a bakery cannot make you a bagel. <laughs> you have to be born again, you know. Good conversation. Turned out pretty good for her. But nonetheless, the point of the matter is that the very issues of our life are not about us. When you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, you are complete in Him. You may not understand it because you're evaluating it by old values. By the old values of the world and the flesh. Will I be popular? Will I be accepted? Will my wife not leave me? Will I, have to, will I find a wife who's smarter than the other seven? I got it. In other words, you may be evaluating all of those things by an old value system. You're measuring things by the wrong measurement. Understand, the moment you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to empower you and give you everything you need, not only for eternity, but living in the here and now. And depending on him, is how it avails that resource that's plugging in that you might live out that life. And so when we think about it, it's not about you. You are complete in Christ, Colossians 2.10. You're complete in him. It's now about others. 
It's about others. It's about those around you at work. It's about those in the community, your neighbors. Uh, it's about people that perhaps you say, well, we don't get along. It's especially about them. Uh, the very things that irritate you may be the very things that got your attention on why God wants you to pray for them. The very thing that upset you about them is to be the very thing God did to get your attention on their desperate need for a Savior. And so understand, once you come to faith in the Lord Jesus, part of his body and power to live it out, now you're part of his redemption program because where God is at work is where we need to be at work. That is the work he called us to do. And so we understand these kind of things. He says, get up, get out of your lethargy. I want you to go to Nineveh. When he heard those words, it was like the worst thing, like scratching on a blackboard kind of thing. Just He couldn't believe what God would dare say to him. Nineveh, Nineveh, that great city, great in wickedness. You say, no, no, uh, I, I'm glad he's sending me to a you know, great city. Uh, I'm going to New York, big city, number one in banking. Uh, really a great city, you know, get a career going. A great, great in wickedness, <laughs> but powerful. Nineveh, uh, the capital of Assyria, they were the dominant power in their day. Everyone bent the knee to them, and therefore, boy, they got power. No. In the sight of God, it's a spiritual matter. you got to see it God's way. And therefore, your neighbors and your friends all are seen before God. And so it says there about this city, it says that the wickedness has come up before me. The wickedness. God is so aware of these sins. He's so aware. Countries you never heard of before. They just got created. Uh, all of these Places, God cares about them. He's so concerned for them. Desperately concerned. All they have is their wickedness. They're so fooled by their prestige, their power, their popularity, their prosperity. They actually think they're doing well. They don't realize they're blind and naked and they need something. Prosperity is not a sign of God's grace upon you. It's merely a responsibility used for his glory. It'll destroy you. And that's what goes on. As we say, even in the world, they say, you know, authority tends to corrupt. Absolute authority tends to corrupt absolutely. And so that's what goes on in those scenes, and God sees it. It comes before him. It's known to him. It says in Psalm 90, verse 8, you placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Secret sins. Wow. He knows about all of them. But my wife doesn't know about all of them. He loves you more than your wife. He knows about all of them. And all of them are offensive to him. All of them are against him. You're created in his image. Everything contrary to his character offends him. Understand, it separates you from God. And as much of an offense as it is, the offense, the most grievous thing is that humanity is separated from God and he loves us. God sees all of these things, they come before him 
and Jonah is now given his marching orders on all of these things, you say, what do you mean? Well, understand, they need to be told. You need, someone needs to go there and tell them. Someone needs to go to Nineveh. Someone needs to go to ISIS. Someone needs to go to the Palestinians. Someone needs to tell them. You say, that's insane. That's crazy. God loves people. I pray every day for Ramallah. I pray every day for the Palestinian people who are blinded by false religion. I pray for ISIS. There but for the grace of God go I. Who in the world do we think we are? This is just a result of sin out of hand. Absolute power tends to corrupt absolutely. Understand, God cares about lost people. It offends us. We can't stand it. He loves them. He sends people to go speak to them. That's what he does for all of us. Every one of us is sent just that way. And so the word of God comes and wants it. But they'll, they'll, they, they can't believe that this is... They, listen, in their hearts, they know it's wrong. In their heart, they're justifying it on the basis of some religious ideas. And some of us may have done the same thing. Some of us may have judged others on the basis of some religious ideas. Some of us may have actually thought ourselves better than somebody else because, you know, uh, we did one thing, you know, we carried our Bible higher when we walked into church or something. No, understand something. That the, the sin has nothing to do with what comes up the surface. God saw it initially and immediately before it offended you. God saw it and he needs someone to tell him it's wrong. You say, but it can cost me my life. Well, of course it's going to cost you your life. Of course it's... People say, why you go to Israel? I mean, you get arrested there. You're not the most popular person when you go there. You know, you know why? I go there to die. I give my life. I pour it out as a drink offering. I, I give it every day. It's the only thing I've got to give. To honor him with a, as a thank offering. And so we have the fear of death, which is bound, binding us. And with fears that come out in every other way. Fears of not being popular, not being accepted, not being wealthy. Fears, and it all stems from the fear of death that's been taken away. When the Lord Jesus died for our sins and conquered death. We no longer have the sin of death, the fear of death over us. But we can still have the old values by which we evaluate things. And therefore, give in to those things that we should have outgrown with discipleship in the Lord. But nonetheless, God has a hunger and a thirst for righteousness that he wants us to care about. Move us out of the, off the dime into, the, into harm's way to bring the good news. That's why he called us to such a time as this. Not to enjoy the comforts of middle class lifestyle, and, then, and therefore vote for the next person who will assure those kind of things. But rather to understand we have to be a voice in our community. We have to speak truth to power. You have to go to the most powerful people in the world. You have to speak truth to power. You say, well, is that what you do? That's why I'm not the most popular person. Why? 
Because the truth is the truth. And if you love someone, you're going to tell them. But I don't understand. Why would I go to tell them that they're doing wrong? A warning is love. A warning is love. When God wants you to warn people about sin, it hasn't got to do with whether you'll be accepted or not. It has nothing to do with whether what you say will be accepted or not. It has nothing to do with their concern about what you said. It has everything to do with his love. Love warns. If you saw, as we talked last night, if you saw your enemy heading for a cliff, you probably... (laughs) Enjoy the trip. But if you saw your child heading for the cliff, screaming at the top of your lungs, doing everything in your power to do what you could to warn, no, you're heading for death. Understand, we bear that cross. This is the calling we have, why we bring the gospel to the Jew first. It's not because it gets us brownie points with the Jewish community. It's because they need to hear of the love of God that warns sinners of what is up ahead if they don't understand that it's, it's going to be the death of them. This is leading to death. And so we need to be those who will speak truth in our families to our hearts, and therefore to our community and around the world, to be praying for those who put themselves in situations that the gospel might go forward. There is nothing else that we have to live for. That's what made us alive. That's what gave us life. That's what we live out. Jonah wasn't getting the message. He was unresponsive to the very will of God. The very first sin that he committed had to do with reducing God's word to his own agenda items. It didn't fit in. He therefore could disregard it. The sin was not when he ran away. The sin was not accepting it as the word of God. He therefore diminished God, who God is in his life. Because he said, I'm just not into that. I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not the praying kind of fellow. You know, Uh, let my wife, a little woman, takes care of those things. I deal with the practical issues. She takes care, you know, praying with the kids and the Bible thingy, whatever that is. You know, I got to deal with the heavy lifting. You know, someone's got to control the remote. You know, all that stuff, kind of thing I got going on here. You know, you're self deceived. You bought the lie of the enemy. Your life is there for circling a drain. And someone has to warn you. Someone has to say, stop the foolishness. God cares about you. You have a life worth living. God's will is in his word. His word comes to you, and his will is for you. You say, well, I don't understand. How many of you have got children? Raise your hand if you can. How many of you have had children when they were nine years old? Raise your hand. Oh, man. Uh, Josh, go clean up your room. He said, well, let me pray about that, Dad. See if that, you know, God's will on the matter. Say what, son? 
What, what did you say? Nothing, Dad. I'll be right. I'll go. go. <laughs> Where there is a command, you got your calling. When you have a command from the Lord, you need no other calling. When you have a command from the Lord, you got your calling or you're resisting the will of God. And so when God's word said, go make disciples of all nations, and you say, well, I need a special calling if I should be praying and witnessing to my neighbors, my friends. I should be living for the Lord at work or living for the Lord, you know, on my, on my vacation time. I mean, good grief, it's my, that's, that's little me time. You've had a lifetime of me time. It's about time to have some he time, you know, give, give the Lord a break here. So understand you're just resistant to the will of God because where there is a command, there need not be any other calling. The whole matter in North Africa turned on a dime. The Germans and Nazis were winning the war. The British were in disarray. They were in confusion. They were arguing with each other. They sent down Field Marshal Montgomery from Britain down to North Africa. He evaluated the situation. He realized what was going on. They were just arguing with each other what to do. He sent out a memo, and he said in the memo, from here on, commands are to be followed and not to be argued about. That turned the war around, and the spiritual War of your life will turn around when you take it as the word of God comes to you and not just as something that may or may not fill your agenda because God sent him to Nineveh. And you'll notice what verse 3 says. By the way, it would have been a much shorter book if he just said, yes, Lord. A two-verse book, yes, Lord. But no, we have the book of Jonah because he said, not so much. Jonah rose up and flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down. What is going on here? Nineveh, Assyria were the killers of the Jews. They were the Nazis of their day. They were the terrorists of their day. They did unspeakable atrocities to a subjugated people. They were hated. They were despised. Uh, any Israelite uh, worth his salt was going to hate the Assyrians, hate those Ninevites. Anyone knows anything was going to hate those Ninevites. God said, you're not permitted to hate people that I love. You're not permitted to hate people that I love. That's an indulgence that is just sin. And therefore, you have to love who God loves, and our life is to live it out before him. He ran away. You say, why? Because he understood. He knew the horror of this God. Chapter 4, verse 2. He says there, I knew you would do this. I go and I tell them 40 days and Nineveh is going to be, you know, it's going to be trashed, you know. You are dead meat. 40 days, you are a Getty goner. Goodbye. And I knew if I gave that message, some idiot there is going to say, maybe God will forgive us if we repent. And knowing you, you're going to forgive him. I want them judged. I don't want them forgiven. I don't want any, I, I don't want bad people forgiven. I want them all judged, which sounds good unless the Lord starts with you. 
bad plan then. And so understand, God wanted to do what would not be in you know, his own self-interest, would not be get him any brownie points. He would, I'm an Israelite prophet. I'm an Israelite. That's right. And when you have the word of God, it is just being sent out. Being sent out. You leave this holy huddle. And you go out there to play the game. But my circumstances don't permit me to live for the Lord. That's why you've got circumstances. Every one of them have been handpicked by God for you to live out his life. You say, but my health, <coughs> not too good, you know. That's exactly why you have the health you have. Galatians 4.13, it was for bodily affliction at the first I preached the gospel to you. Galatia wasn't on Paul's agenda, it was on God's agenda. And those unprayed for hospital visits and all those other kind of things that you never prayed for, God actually has ordained from eternity past to you, to, for you to live out his life in those situations, to show Light and darkness, love to unloving people, kindness to people who don't even know what it means. People who wouldn't, wouldn't give, you wouldn't, you know, they think of you as something that rub off their shoe. You're the one who's going to let them know there's a God who cares about them. You're going to bless those who curse you. You're going to pray for those who despitefully use you. You're going to make a difference in this world. You're going to make a difference in your family. You're going to be a man that God has called for such a time as this. Because God's doing a work in our day that has not been seen since the apostles were here. And where God's at work is where we have to be at work. If we're going to make our punches count, if we're going to redeem the time and make our lives something that brings him honor and glory. And so we want to understand what happened to Jonah happens to every one of us. Jonah was an angry man. He was angry with God, didn't like God's will, didn't like the way it played out. He kept crying out, I could have been a contender. God didn't, the cards weren't laid out for me the right way. This happened. Your life is not based upon the decisions you made. It's not based on your good decisions and your bad decisions. Don't beat yourself up for it. That isn't what becomes your life. Your life is how you responded to the word of God. The word of God came. How you responded to it. That's what determines your life. But what about that, that woman I married and she left me? You may have wanted to talk with your elders about that woman. You may have wanted to do a little background check. But she was so cute. They all are. I was once cute. But this is your future. So you want to understand what you, how, why is my life the way it is? I am what I am by grace. It's my response to the word of God. That's what determines my life. All my decisions, man, God's grace is your sufficiency. Your best decision isn't worth his grace. His grace will make up all the, all the uh, la lack that you have in your life. And so he didn't trust God. God wasn't on his agenda. God wasn't going to be what he wanted. God, he wanted, I want to be popular in Israel. I got to where my market is. That's my people. I need to get them on my side. Loving Assyrians ain't going to work. Not good for my agenda. You don't understand the God you have. The circumstances you have 
all the things you have handpicked by God that you can live out the life. You've been called to victory. You've never been called to defeat. Defeat is what we do apart from him. Victory is what we have when we follow him. That's what makes the difference. Our response to his word in those circumstances, those situations, all those trials and all that goes on. You get our newsletter, God does some amazing things. I was called, my wife and I were asked to, to lead an evangelistic um, uh, meeting up in, uh, in New York State there, Austin, New York. Uh, these people had a vision. Uh, they rented out this gigantic place, and they wouldn't let Christians come. It was for Jews. You could come, but you had to bring a Jewish friend. No slipping in there without a Jewish friend. I love these people. And so they invited me to come up and speak, and, and that just before I got there, I keeled over. I couldn't believe it. I never experienced such pain. I couldn't believe, oh my goodness, am I giving birth? I couldn't figure out what is this all about. I, know, I couldn't stand. I couldn't sit. Miriam had to drive me, got me over to the Mount Kisco Hospital there. They're checking me for my heart, you know, they're giving me my heart. And I started looking at my watch, oh no. It's going to be starting soon. I had to leave. The die. You can't leave. This could be, your life could be, I said, there's more important things in my life. I got to go there. And, you know, a bunch of Jewish doctors and nurses. That was good. They were able to share the good news with them. But they all started, like my mother and my father, hitting me. No, sit down. You got to stay there. I can't let you go. No, I got to go. Miriam drives me. I can't sit. I'm groaning, moaning. I go, Lord, I can't believe what this is. We get there. Uh, one of the people leading it was a nurse, looked at me, looked like, a, they said I looked like a zombie. I was white and just, ah, just walking, just sick, couldn't stand, couldn't sit. And I got there just in time, and, and, just in, and they said, okay, there's another rabbi there, up there, who's a non-believing rabbi, saying something irrelevant, I'm sorry to say. So on my turn to go up there, as soon as I got up there, could barely make it up there to the lectern, all of a sudden, bam! Perfect. Gave my heart to these people. When I was done, they, the rabbi started rushing the platform, wanting to know more. But as soon as I was finished, boom, they rushed me back to the Mount Kisco Hospital, the very same doctors, all of them like my Jewish mother. I told you so. You see this? You know? Okay. Emergency, you know, uh, uh, kind of thing going on there. You know, pfft, vault. Uh, and I had to be in the hospital a few days there. It was really good. All those other people in those other rooms, they can't go anywhere. <laughs> Wonderful visit. After three days, I'm really weak. They send me home. You know, these people got me a car, had to drop it off at LaGuardia Airport. It hurts. Good name for an airport. Oh, good. Okay. God, I couldn't even lift my bag to put it on the shuttle bus. I couldn't, I was too weak. The manager of the place took pity on me. He said, listen, I'll drive you to the terminal. Five minutes around the other side. I said, okay, good. Got in there, Miriam's in the back seat. And he said, what are, you, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm here telling everyone that Jesus is the Messiah. I said, I have to do that because I'm Jewish. He said, well, I'm Jewish. Really? <laughs> so I shared the good news with him. He said, yeah, I've been thinking about Jesus. Really? He pulls up right in front 
of the U.S. Airways terminal over there. We won't become Americans. U.S. Airways terminal over there. And I said to him, mirrors in the back praying, you know. I said to him, can you think of one reason right now that you wouldn't want to accept Jesus as your Savior right now? Longest moment in history. He then said, I can't think of one reason why I wouldn't want to accept Jesus as my Savior right now. He prayed to receive the Lord right there on the spot, gave me his contact information, our people there in New York following up. Miriam was like, what? What? You know, you know, she was like going all, you know. And I, and I got out of the car, and this is what I thought. Do you love that guy so much that you're a servant? You allow me to go to this awful, horrible stuff in the hospital. And I thought, I said, oh, he loves him so. Good thing it didn't cost me my kidneys also. And so Why? The circumstances are ordained by God for his will to be done if you will follow his word because his will, his will is in the word of God. His word to you is his will to you. The circumstances do not determine your will in your life. That is determined by the word of God. That determines what the circumstances are all about. They are the occasion, not the cause. They are the opportunity Opportunity is found in obedience. When you obey God, there's the opportunity of God. Step out of the boat. Trust the Lord. Take some baby steps. God will not despise a day of small things. Think of a couple of... Take one day in a week that you're just going to take five minutes for prayer. Give five minutes one week to Him. Take some steps, sincere steps... God will bless you mightily for that in all ways for your life. When he got in the boat, he was still pretty close to shore. Where he was going was going to be a disaster. Everyone wouldn't realize, so close to port, no one would have seen it. I don't know how close to port you still are, but it could be a disaster. God has a purpose for your life. Contrary to his purpose, things don't work together for good. So we want to understand everything went down for Jonah. Down, down, down. And so as we close here, the issue of circumstances. He got to Joppa, got on a boat. Isn't that ironic? In Acts chapter, uh, ten, uh, chapter uh, 10, Joppa is where Peter received a vision to bring God's message to the Gentiles. That's where Jonah left God. The situation doesn't determine your reaction. Same message, life unto life, death unto death. Who's, who can understand these things? The same circumstance, the same city, the same... What makes the difference has to do with your response to the Word of God in the situation. That's always what makes the difference. Nothing else is supposed to make the difference. It's not based on those circumstances. And therefore, he fled from the presence of God, out of the will of God, out of fellowship with God. That's what makes the difference. Jonah didn't like those Gentiles. I myself think they're wonderful. For the love of God. 
There are some Gentiles who don't love Jews. Come to Jesus. You'll love everyone. Got to bring the gospel to everyone. Yeah, I don't like Jews. I don't know Jews. I don't agree with the Jews. Hasn't got to do with the Jews. What do you mean? Bring the gospel to Jews hasn't got to do anything. Jews? Of course it does. Has nothing to do with Jews. What do you mean? The Lord Jesus wept over Jerusalem, Luke chapter 19. Wept over the fact that they were lost sheep. Wept over the fact that they were separated from the living God. He wept for them. He weeps for them still. He weeps for them right now. And if he is still weeping, if his arms are outstretched all day long to a disobedient, rebellious people, if he cares like crazy for lost Jewish people, and you don't care at all, don't you understand? It's not the Jewish people you're out of touch with. You're not walking closely with your God. How far from port are you? How far from port are you? Maybe people don't realize what direction you're going in. But of course, it's not the circumstances. It's your response to God's word in those circumstances. If you understood, down by a lake, I was just, I'm not much of a, of a sailor. I get awestruck by everything that works. I don't know how these things work. I'm always like, wow, look at that. There were two sailboats on this lake. Both of them going towards each other, opposite, the same wind. How in the world do boats possibly go in two different directions with the same wind? Someone said to me, listen, stupid. Hey, stupid is a character quality I've developed. Listen, it's how you set the sail that determines the course, not the wind. How you set your sail would make all the difference in your life. It's not the circumstances. They're ordained by God. For those who respond to the word of God, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What he did with it is what made a bad news story. What you do with it can be glory and victory, can be a life that's turned around, a life that impacts the lives of others and brings glory to God, changes families, Changes communities. Big doors turn on such small hinges. And even now, God wants you to respond to his word, to his truth for a lost world. God had one son, and he was a missionary. And so are we. Let's pray right now. To bring our hearts before God in prayer, I just want to ask you to take a moment. Turn your sails to the Lord. Trust in him. If you are saved, then your sails, therefore, will be turned to the Lord. If you've been living in disobedience to God, turn back. Storms have come. There are storms coming. He also controls the small things. His whole desire is to have you fulfill your calling in your life. Come to him. We bow our hearts before God. If you're here and you haven't trusted in him, even now I'm going to ask you to simply place your faith in him and who he is. For Jesus is the living word of God. When the word of God comes to you, it has to do with Jesus. Will you accept him or reject him?
Will you follow him and trust him? I'm going to say a simple prayer right now in closing before I turn it over to my, my dear brother Tim. And if this prayer reflects your need in your heart, just pray with me. Not, remember I said the prayer can save you? But it will focus your faith on Jesus. It's faith in Jesus that makes the difference. That will make the difference in your heart, in your home, in the community. God hears your heart. Repeat with me in your heart. Dear God, forgive me for my anger. Forgive me for my doubts. Forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my habits. Forgive me for my pride. Cleanse my sins away through the blood of Jesus, your son. Thank you for loving me, a sinner. Thank you for saving me. While your hearts are bowed before God, Everyone else's eyes closed in prayer. I want to pray for you right where you are. I just want to pray for you right where you are. If you prayed that prayer where you're seated, to place your personal faith in Jesus right where you are, just raise your hand once. I'm the only one who will be seeing. Just raise your hand once so I can pray for you in closing right where you are. Just raise it once so I can pray for you. Amen. Amen. Just raise your hand. Sure. Sure. Just once is enough. It's fine. Anyone else? Just raise your hand once so I can pray for you right where you are. Pray for you right where you're seated. Amen. Father, you see hands. You, see, you know us and you love us, Lord. Thank you. You love us. Thank you. Even now, confirm to our hearts through the work of the Holy Spirit the truth of your love, our salvation, and the life you've called us to live in our homes, in our community, and even to the othermost parts of the earth, that Jesus might be exalted in all places, for he is worthy of all praise and honor. In his name we give thanks. Amen.